Seems good to see you. We'll do a recap of the round and then we'll get straight into State of Origin talk. The biggest result of the weekend, I think, was Manly absolutely going to town against the Dolphins. And the, it, it showed you, first of all, Tom's in pretty good nick. And um, at their best, when they're all healthy, they've got a good team there. Yeah, I think that it says, it says something about both sides. Like you said, when they're full strength... They can beat anyone. They can put a score on. Tommy is starting to really come good, in my opinion. Um, you know, his Origin one wasn't great, but he wasn't poor. I think he copped a bit of a bad rap just because he didn't break the game open. Um, that's probably unfair expectation. But his last two club games, he's been outstanding. I think he scored five tries, set up three or four. So um, yeah, there's really good signs there. But I think it also says a bit about Redcliffe, or sorry, the Dolphins. And where they've got to in their season as well. Um, the next game that they play. So they've got the bye this week. But the next game they play, it's going to tell us a lot about them as a club. Where they're really heading. And um, you know what, what what we can expect for the remainder of the year. Well, they, they've peaked, haven't they? they yeah. And you can see that there was that sugar hit at the start of the season. They've done a phenomenal job to still be hanging around this far into I, the season. I agree. Yep. But the depth now gets tested, and you see a lot of younger guys coming through with injuries. And, mate, let's be fair. Like, they've been pumped two weeks in a row. Yep. And it's not exactly the best teams in the comp that have given it to them either. So I think we'd both agree that um, Warriors and Manly are thereabouts. You know, they'll be fringe bottom of the eight. Yep. Um, it's not exactly the, the elite teams that have, have dusted them up. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah, absolutely. The other big result for me was um, the Roosters and Penrith. So the Roosters are the only team all year to not score 30 points in a game. Yeah, it's and interesting. Al- and also the Roosters have had six halves of football this year where they haven't scored a single try and they've had nine halves where they've only scored one try. In this day and age, that should be dead set impossible for any team, let alone a team that was premiership favourites at the start of the year. I agree. And I think um, on top of that, if you're not scoring points, you can also defend well and defend yourself to a victory. But they're conceding points really, really bad for them. So I think the Roosters are in a bad way. Um, Wouldn't be shocked if there's a fair bit of roster turnover there. Um, Some some things need to change. I, I don't know if their recruitment really hit the mark this year either. Um, we've spoken about it on previous uh, podcasts, but I think uh, Brandon Smith just doesn't suit them. Uh, it's not effective. It's ironic, isn't it, that Penrith going into that game, no Nathan Cleary, so there's your main sort of general out of the game. They would have been going into that team, they would have been going into that game, sorry, thinking, okay, we have the best defensive record in the comp by country mile. We can see 11 points a game. Yeah. We are happy to win this game. 10-6. Yeah, that's right. And I think that they would have honestly thought that. They think, okay, well, let's grind it out. It's going to be a golden point or, a, yeah, like you said, 10-6, 12-10, that type of game. They blew them off the park. And that just proves to me again that everyone is playing for second still. Yeah. Uh, Penrith are so good. It's not funny. And there was a little bit of teething problems at the start of the year. And Kikau and um, Appy are massive losses. Make no mistake there. But they're just so good. They are. And, yeah, the teething problems, well, their whole squad, really, probably 20 to 22 blokes from their squad played in the World Cup. Yeah. So they only had a month, six-week preseason. 
looking back, it's not it's not surprising that their first month of the year was a bit scratchy. Now they're up and running. And for mine, the blessing in disguise is Nathan Cleary being injured. It, it's a godsend for them. As far as a Penrith, yep. a Penrith team goes, we had the same thing last year with um, him getting suspended for five weeks. He And... Right now, he can forget about Origin and just purely focus on a premiership. And if you go back to the COVID year, so 2020, it was a late, remember it was a late finish? Yep. Into a normal normal start. Yes. So Cleary has basically played, like, you know, if you look at that, that season into to 21, where they played grand final, so he's gone all the way through to October into 22, where he played in the World Cup and gone all the way through to almost December. He has hardly had a break in three years. So I think it's it's going to freshen him up. And also that 2020 year, they had an origin at the end of the year. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I forgot about that as well. So it was even deeper into the year. Yeah. So these these breaks for Cleary, from a Penrith point of view, for New South Wales, it sucks, obviously. Yeah. But for, for a Penrith point of view, it's, it's a godsend because origin's gone for him now. He won't play game three. Yeah. regardless right so it, it's purely just about winning a premiership for him now and they can actually afford to take longer you know it's funny we speak about how they've allegedly haven't had a great year things like that they are sitting on top of the table <laughs> it's pretty remarkable isn't it and their their defense is still crazy crazy good they can see 11 points a game yeah and i wrote an article about this at the start of the year so the average over the past 20 years for teams conceding points in a year that have won the premiership is 16. So 16 is the magic number, right? Yep. And no team has even made a grand final with above, I think it's 19, 19 points, and except for one. Well, South and Para, I think, are the exceptions to the rule there. They're yep. up around that. Yep. Parramatta yeah. was over that last year. Their, yep. defense, their defense rating was not as high, but... Regardless, the winner of the comp yeah. has had that 16, that magic number of 16. So these guys at 11... It's just, it's so impressive, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Because and then they frustrate teams. Like they start to panic, they make silly decisions. Speaking of points, how did you enjoy Sunday afternoon? It was a pretty good day. Uh, <laughs> um, look, uh, it was the perfect storm for Melbourne. Pardon the pun. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, I feel really bad for Nico. Yep. He's been the form halfback of the last 18 months, right? Form player of the, form player, of yeah. the past 18 months. And for a game that allegedly is his origin audition, he goes up against his old coach. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty tough. And, and I just want to say, it doesn't matter who played halfback that day. The Sharks were losing that game. Nico could not have done anything to change that game. Well, you're right, mate. And again, Nico is a wonderful player. He is so good. He deserved the Daily M last year. Nico also is a media darling. So every positive or every bit of good news that they can promote in regards to Nico gets, whether it's Fox, whether it's Nine, they both love him. Yep. So even if Nico hasn't gone that well, the perception that they will push on you know, the public is that Nico's a superstar. Yep. Nico's a superstar. Nico's got some deficiencies. So I think, and, and we've spoken about this, um, you know, away from the pod, Nico defensively isn't good. He is an amazing attacking footballer, but things happen around him defensively. So um, it was actually my son, Taj, that pointed out to me, um, I think it's three teams in two years in the top four that Nico's beaten. He's yep. lost every other game against the top four side. Yeah. So, you know, 
we, we can say he's a front runner or he's you know, a downhill racer or whatever you want to say, but he certainly puts average teams to the sword, but for whatever reason struggles against good sides. And I think the second he went on out in the centres, you know, slightly out of position in, in Origin 1, Munster's just lit up. He knew straight away, he spotted who, who was out there and beeline straight to him. Put a little bit of footwork on, engaged him, hammer was away. We will get on to Nico and Origin chat in a second. I just want to talk about the Sharks for a minute. Vossi pointed out something really intelligent on the weekend. Uh, so shout out to Vossi for this one. Um, the Cronulla forwards, right? They've got some good forwards in their pack, right? But none of them play over 40 minutes. Okay, so you look at all the elite teams. They've got forwards that play 50, 60 minutes plus. Yeah. Like, like as in middle forwards, I yeah. should say. Because back rows generally play eighty. If you're not playing, yeah, that's right. Row. And you're paying, you're paying seventy. You know, you might have a exactly eight ten minutes exactly. Spell. So the they they're not getting their good players out there for long enough. So therefore, they can't go with these teams for long enough. If you know what I mean. So the good yep. teams they come up against a Melbourne who can trot out Welch and Josh King and Nelson for sixty five minutes, and. They just can't go with them yeah, they, for, they, for the duration. I understand what you're saying. And on top of that, you know, I spoke about Nico, and again, small. it's a small criticism. You know, def- Defensively, there's things for him to fix up. He is the best attacking player as far as reacting, running the footy. He's so good. Cody Walker's probably the best ball player. Hines is, is probably the best runner. But the other thing that Cronulla have, and it really, really hurts them, is Matt Moylan on the other edge. Yep. He does. He just misses tackles. I think he missed ten or eleven on the weekend, and that's that's par for the course for him. Every week he's just missing tackles. So he, he reads the play well, but he's not actually sticking those tackles. He falls off. Can Cronulla win a comp this year? No. Why? For everything we've just spoken about, uh, their pack's not quite there. I think they're a, a good front rower short. Yep. And. Again, have we ever seen them in big games over the last 18 months grind out a win? They've smoked teams. They've put them away. Yeah. But I the, can't think of off the top of my head of too many massive games where they've, they've grounded out. They paid a lot of money for Dale Finucane, uh yep. last year. Oh, sorry, 18 months ago now. I, I will never criticise the signing of Dale Finucane, but let's be realistic. He's at the back end of his career. Yep. It's a four-year deal. This is year two of that deal, so he's still got two years to he's go. He's a uh, he's like a Ben Kennedy type signing. He's yes. uh, he's there for more than just footy. Yes, I get that, but because they've got Wade Graham there in the same same boat. Same Wade boat. Graham is on his his last legs. Yep, and just purely for a football point of view, a a, um, a production point of view, Dale would be great as your fourth best forward. Yeah, for sure. Now he's he's yep. like in the conversation for their best forward. Like so, as long as and you know. let's not forget they got a couple of injuries and you know a couple of their big boys are out. But I just feel that they're they're one good prop short, and they don't quite have those players who can get the big minutes up. Yeah, they should probably be in the running as well for a replacement for Matt Moylan looking long term. Uh, and, it, and mate, all, all that all this being said, they are they're still sitting fifth. Yes. They will make, well, I think they will make the eight. Yes. And they'll probably make the eight quite comfortably. Yep. It's just I don't think they do anything. Probably not. And. Yes, the, mate, Parramatta the, were outstanding on Monday. 
<laughs> yes. Well, it was the Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to finish up on Nico, though. And this will this will evolve into State of Origin. The biggest gap in State of Origin for me this year, and last year as well, is who's who's running these teams. Because what was what was the plan for Nico? So Nico's been yeah. involved in the squad for about eighteen months now. So he gets selected in game one. They actually didn't have a plan for him. I feel that well, we've spoken about we both I think we both agreed that Cook should have been the the fourteen. Yeah, I, I can concede that, yeah. You know, in the first Certainly game. over Nico. That, Nico, yes. Nico as a 14 yeah, right. is no good. I think it's it's the power of the media, it's people pressure. That's the reason why Nico was number 14. He, as a, I hinted at it before, he is the darling of the comp. He's, uh, rightly so, he's the current Daily M winner. And but it, it, it's just strange. Like... Yeah, he can cover a few positions and he, it comes in handy if you lose a half or you lose a fullback during the game. But like you said, there was no clear plan for him. So I believe that the selectors picked him. Fittler's then, yes, he's a part of the selection committee, but he's not the only bloke who selects teams. Then he's stuck with him. And how do you use him? And it's like, well, you're not going to ever take Nathan Cleary off. No. You could argue that Luai was one of their best two or three players on the night. So he wasn't going to get pulled off. Appy was, you know, he was playing okay. And they didn't have a, a hooker there, so he wasn't coming off. So it was just, it was strange. The media's done a really strange job around this origin because there's been a lot of talk of, Nico's the future, you're building for the future. No, 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 no. Nathan's yeah. like 23. Like yeah, he's, that's right. <laughs> like, and he's never getting dropped. He is the future. Nathan is the future. Like, this is where you go to a veteran of an Adam Reynolds or a Mitchell Moses and yeah. go, hey, win us a game. And, win and us I, a game. I actually think that, you know, my mates get stuck into me because it's the parabice, whatever. I think Mitchell Moses was the right person. He absolutely he, he was. Luai didn't deserve to be dropped. It was so obvious he's from a the right, start. He's a right side dominant player. His kicking game is probably only second to... Um, Nathan. Yeah, Cleary, that's right. Maybe in a photo finish with, with Reynolds. Yes. But the things that Reynolds does, Moses can do. Absolutely. And the thing that I would argue that Moses does better is front on defense, and he's quicker and, and he's more dangerous running the footy than, than Reynolds. So yep. it, it was it was obvious for mine where they were going to go. And I don't know whether or not those blokes were told before the weekend, but I think the way they both performed probably made the New South Wales selectors think, you know what, we've got it right here. Because if they were told before it, and Nico's gone out and not been able to handle some bad news and, and dished up, you know, a pretty ordinary performance, and Moses has been told, and quite often blokes will throw the dinner suit on if they've been told, hey, you're about to play Origin, but good luck to Sarve. Yes. He went out and he destroyed... And again, I know it was the dogs, but he absolutely destroyed the dogs. He tore them apart. No doubt. And you couldn't drop Luai after game no. one. He was their best attacking threat in my opinion yeah and moses is the closest like for like comparison yeah. to Cleary. so uh to me it was obvious from the whole time i just want to give you three headlines yeah. from gus gould over the past <laughs> month so this is a month ago yeah. so origin class is nico hines the buy of the season right so that's a month ago yeah after game one should be a certainty in quotes gus backs hines for origin debut on yeah. the six tackles podcast this week, 
It's a little bit too early for him. Is Nico not ready? Nico not ready to lead the Blues just yet. What are we doing here? He's the master, mate. He, <laughs> he is the master of deflection, of creating a story, planning a planning a bomb. You know, he's he's the best at it, in my opinion. Yeah, and he also said himself, like <laughs> Mitch Moses was the obvious pick, and because he was, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's I, it's frustrating. I, he's frustrating to listen to, but also he, he's probably the smartest. Also frustrating for Nico. Oh, it is, yeah. Because and I, I still think you'll get a crack at, at some stage. Would you have been tempted? I actually think this makes more sense than Nico Luai. I think Moses Nico makes more sense. Would you have been tempted to go that route? Not after the way Luai played in the first game. I think, you know, he didn't. He obviously didn't win the game for them, but he played good. He played. He did play. And look, I'm a. I can't believe I found myself being a Luai defender yeah. here, <laughs> but here we are. Um, and I, I, I would have found it really surprising if they had dropped Luai after game one. Oh, I agree, mate. And look, I love Queensland so much. Like I'm, yeah, I'm a Queenslander. I'm a passionate Queensland supporter. I lose my mind on Origin night like every other Queenslander. Yeah, but I never ever buy into the. Um, the rot around origin time and, and the way things get hyped up and how things get pushed and certain agendas get pushed depending on what paper you're reading and, and who's throwing stuff out there because it, it's just sensationalism. That's all it is. And the amount of things that get thrown around recently, uh, over the last week, even, you know, there's a couple of, um, a thing on Twitter that, that you forwarded to me around the amount of blokes that, um, New South Wales had chewed up and spat out over the last couple of years. So whoever wrote that list, it wasn't even accurate. Some of the people on that list hadn't even played Origin and they were saying that they were one-game wonders and things yep. like that. So I, I just think that there's that much sensationalism. It is why State of Origin generates so much money for the, for the NRL. It is why the ratings are so big. It's why Channel 9 will pay a fortune for broadcast rights because they're going to continue to get Origin. People love it. They eat it up. Two last things on the New South Wales team. Stefano in the team. Uh, odd from strange, my, yeah. yeah. Um, particularly, and I know he's only had one game back, but it just seems like they wouldn't have picked him, even Cam- even if Campbell Gillard. Like Campbell Gillard. Yeah, I don't know whether or not he would have got picked this year. It seemed like um, going on the Kangaroo tour and um, you know being the starting prop for the Kangaroos. Yeah. But also, I think being around blokes, and I can't remember who said it. It was on. Um, it was actually on the Matty John show. Um, Fletch and Heine were interviewing blokes and it was around, it might have even been Harry Grant. They asked him, who was the bloke that surprised you the most? Um, you know, you went in with a perception of him and you come out of Kangaroo Tour with a different perception. And the first bloke he said was Campbell Gillard. Yeah. He said, basically, for want of a better term, I thought he was a dickhead. Yes. Get into Kangaroo Tour with him for six weeks and I love him. Yeah. You know, so things may have changed there. Blokes might start thinking of him a little bit differently. But just watching him on Monday, he looked ginger and even though he ran for 150 metres. He looked ginger and slow. Fair enough. Uh, I will say, I refuse to believe, I, th- I think both coaches are playing silly buggers here, I refuse to believe either of these teams start as named come Origin Night. So, I I think... Well, back lines are intact, obviously. Back lines are intact. I think Robson starts 100% for New South Wales over Cook. Why? Because, let's be honest, the first 20 minutes... Cook is unlikely to cause much damage. Yeah, true. Anyway. In attack, yes, 
Cook's a great defender, though. I mean, I, hey, I get that. Yeah. But no, you, yeah, you're right. It, they, they may look at that. It's not to say that Reese Robson can't come off after 20 and go on with 20 to go as a middle forward. Yeah. So he could do that. But I just do you think, find that selection strange? Uh, I thought it'd be him or Cam McInnes. Yeah. Um, uh, because it does provide some versatility there. The only thing I will say, if an outside go, if an outside back goes down for New South Wales, they're in a lot of hurt. I would have gone with Burton. Burton, he does cover a lot more positions. Um, yeah, they they don't have a. <laughs> this is the luxury of Ben Hunt. Yeah. He he is he truly is a superstar, and you know before him Michael Morgan. Yeah, blokes who can play multiple positions, and before that it was Cooper Cronk. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Reese Robson's starting to me is an obvious one, and yep. you can keep Cook fresh to come on and play the last hour because he's he's unlikely to cause any damage in the first twenty. Yeah. Uh, and as far as Queensland goes, I'd be really surprised if Mo Fodawaka doesn't start. Yeah, I, I actually thought that myself. I don't think Lindsay Collins will start. I think he'll come off the bench. Yep. Um, you know, they've got a tendency to to start Tino on the bench at times as well. But I think Tino will start this this game. Well, Tino did start in game one. They did move did, him off yeah. the bench. So, but then last year it was in reverse. I think he might have got named to yes. start and then came off the bench. Yes. Um, obviously, Carrigan starts. Does but, Nanai start? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think okay. both, both back rowers play 80. I, well, I think Fafita definitely does. Yep. Uh, with Nanai, yeah, it's just a, a thought. But do they start Cotter out there? I doubt it, but... I doubt do it. Do they want him I, on the field, you know, I, for, for the full 80? Cotter is the is the gyro of this team now. The guy who could play back row if needed, yeah. but hopefully not. Um, the, the thing I will say, though, I love the back row combination for Queensland now. Like, this is... This is what it should be for the next eight years. Definitely, if both of them are fair dinkum and, and continue to do things properly, they are excellent. Yeah, no doubt. And I just I just struggle I struggle to see us losing with the forward pack we have. So we lose Gilbert, who is just a star, by the way. <laughs> I so love Tom you, Gilbert. You look at it, and I personally believe our back row is significantly better than their back row. I oh. think they've got us in the in the in the um, the prop department. I think their props are better than ours. Like their starting props, sorry, that's Hass and, and Paulo. Yep. Um, but they're definitely their back row is is better, and the bench is probably a fifty fifty split. Like, I would lean more towards Queensland because of the utility value you get. I know Grant's on the bench, but the utility value that you get with Hunt. Yeah, uh, Liam Martin's the other one that I think will probably start. Liam Martin is. He, he actually, out of all of them, he's probably the best second rower. Yes. Um, I will say, <clears throat> Payne Haas, to me, he is the the best front rower in the NRL, right? And if you want to have a conversation between him and James Fisher-Harris, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I, in, in this game, he's yes. the best front rower. But in origin, I think it's a different conversation because I, I just think it's a totally different game. See, I would not swap Pat Carrigan for Payne Haas in origin. Well, if if they used Haas the way that we use Carrigan, I would. <laughs> well, does that come back to coaching? It, well, it comes back to rotation, yeah. But again, I'm not going to buy the the Fittler the Fittler bag around. He's not a good coach or whatever. Because how do we know Billy's a good coach? Like honestly, honestly, how do you know Billy's a good coach? He's coached four games. Yeah. Um, yes, Fittler wasn't a good NRL coach. That was that was proven. But Melman Ingers is not a good coach he had a horrendous record in the nrl he's yep. the best origin coach that we've ever had yeah because it's who you surround yourself 
with. Yeah. I think that's more Fittler's problem is who he surrounded himself with. Not, of course. You know, obviously he's got good people there, which most, you know, a lot of people will say, well, that's the, the first priority for me. I want good people. Then we'll worry about everything else. But you need a mind. You need a really strong footy mind. And Mal, during that time, had Hags. Yeah, he had Hagen for a lot of it. And uh, uh, Henry. Neil Henry Neil was Henry there for, for a lot of it, yeah. And now, Billy's got Hannay. Yep. And Hannay, friend of the show, he is a genius. He is a genius. Good man. He's a good man, Josh. I just think that that is a, that is a stark yeah. depiction as well. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. It is. It makes a huge difference. No doubt in the world. Uh, and But do you, I look at it and think, why wouldn't they, it's origin, he needs a spell. But if Haas plays less than 60 minutes, it's just madness. He played 31 in game one. Yeah, it's crazy. Paulo is a big man. From the outside looking in, you think, geez, he's carrying some timber. But he has an enormous motor. He can easily play 50, 60 minutes in origin. Well, that's the other thing looking at this lineup. They have to play big minutes. And I think the bench that they've picked is indicating that they're going to. Yeah. And so so Cameron Murray is probably in the prop rotation now. I think so, yeah. And he can... He can be the some back row cover as well, and he'll he'll probably come on, you know, after whether Paula has a spell after twenty minutes, which is fine. Don't you think though that this is more proof that Damien Cook will come off the bench because you can bring Cook and Murray on at the same time. Oh, and then you know, Murray generates that ruck speed with his quick play of the balls. Yeah, it, it, it's it's probably what they'll do. I'm not. I'm stuttering and stopping and second-guessing myself because it's not what I would do. You pick Damien Cook, you start him. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Queensland starters favourites for the first time since 2019. Which in itself is is bizarre, isn't it? You know? <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. It is crazy, yeah. Um, in saying that, though, this is the most confident I've been in a long time that we're going to get it done. So... After game one, I wasn't very confident because I, I didn't think that New South Wales could play worse. And with 10 to go, they were dead set in it. And obviously a couple of bits of brilliance, you know, Munster, ISIS things like he does in, in Origin and will continue to do. But yeah, I, I just thought that they were, they were ordinary and we still just got away with it at the end. I couldn't see them being that bad again. But now with the injuries and changes and, you know, on paper, we've got a better side. So we should win and we should win well. The biggest strength for them, obviously, is Latrell and Tom. Latrell, Liam Martin and Cam Murray don't train until at least Sunday. Yeah. I actually don't think Latrell's a certainty to play. I don't think he is either. However, I don't think that it will make that much difference because, what are we, they come into camp Tuesday... They wouldn't have trained Tuesday. It would have been rehab and you know a bit of recovery stuff and doctor's checks, things like that. They would have been on the drink Tuesday night. Wednesday would have been a nothing day. Maybe a bit of conditioning to to sweat it out. Um, you know, that promo day. They might it, have had a run. So I don't think I don't think it's as big of a deal as as what it's made out to be. It does say something, doesn't it? Though that Stephen Crichton's been named at eighteenth man. Yeah, and agree. The fact that, and I'm just looking now, so. Stephen Crichton has not been named for Penrith this week. So they, they're well, not allowing him to go yeah, back into so camp. Yeah, so the 18th man. And that's why um, Dearden swapped, yeah. Because yeah. obviously he didn't get to play last time. So Sometimes they do allow them to go back, though. Like, Todd Payton still requested Tom Dearden to go back. Yeah, but, but they, they, they said straight no. no. Um, but, but I did read 80, whoever's 18th man, whoever's named 18th man, 
well, is basically with the new concussion rules and the way yep. things are done, uh, it's a flat out no, they don't play. Yeah. But the fact Stephen Crichton's there... It's interesting, isn't it? It is. I, that's why I don't think Latrell's a certainty to play. And is it also to a bit of reward for Crichton? Because again, he wasn't that bad in game one. You know, he's probably only getting dropped because it's Latrell coming back. Pro- probably. I, I, f- I find Keon to be unlucky not getting selected yeah. here. Um, but Where would he have played though? I, I get that, but I actually would have rather put him in over Stefano. Yeah, but he's Stefano is a legitimate middle. I Keon fills in there every now and again. I get that, but you could go with a really lightweight pack and just have Murray as your main prop guy. Yeah. Um, in saying that though. Do we get the win? We well, yeah. I'm hesitating. I'm not that confident, but right. yes, we should win. We should win, and we should win by eight to ten. I would think so. And I like our back line. I really do. It's really good, and the fact that they were able to do such a good job. And Josh, Josh spoke about this when he came on last week. You know the. Val swap, swaps over to the other side. Yeah. Right? He usually is a left centre for the Cowboys, but he plays on right for Queensland. So that's because the Hammer and Murray are best mates. Yeah, that's so right. So you link so them you together. Get to leave them go, yeah. And now also you combined uh, Val with Nanai. So that's another Cowboys connection there as well. Yep. And you, we just saw it in game, game one. If we get a half break, the Hammer and Val can take it to the house. Oh, well, especially the Hammer. He is lightning. Lightning quick. I would love to see um, him and Adokar have a 100-meter sprint. Like, let's have a race. Oh, I think I think the Hammer blitzes Adokar. I, th- I think he does too. Yeah. I, I, I think the Do you only think guy... we've ever seen either of them run as fast as they can? The Hammer, no. But but it's it's funny. Yeah. My little brother and I joke about that all the time, that he just yeah. walks past people. Yeah. Because it's, it never looks like he's in a full sprint. He doesn't. Again... It'd be, it would be. I'd love to see it though. I, I will, reckon it'd be close. I will say though, over a hundred meters, I think Saab has them both covered. Actually, I keep forgetting about him. <laughs> he takes four steps and he's gone twenty meters, hasn't he? He's it's, a bit of a freak, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Sebes, we'll do it again next week. Good Thanks, to see mate. you.